1: In today's episode, guest hosted by Michelle Tracy Berger, a women's and gender studies professor and award-winning creative writer herself, we visit with award-winning author Julia Jordan Zachary, editor of and contributor to Black Girl Magic Beyond the Hashtag 21st Century Acts of Self-Definition. Through a collection of essays and critical analysis, this text explores the offline lived experiences of black females, girls, and women, and how they foster community counter-invisibility, engage in restorative acts, and create spaces for freedom. From the forward, hashtag or trademark, personal or collective expression, hashtag Black Girl Magic is the articulation of the resolve and persistence of Black women and girls to triumph in the face of intersectional oppressions. My name is Landis Wade, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm a recovering trial lawyer turned author turned podcaster of books and stories, and I really appreciate you being here with us today. You can find out more about me at my author website, landisway.com, and I'd love to have you visit. For all things related to the podcast, check out charlottereaderspodcast.com. You can find a lot of great resources there. We have show notes of every episode with pictures of the authors, photographs of their book covers, links to their websites and social media, and more. And we have the community blog there. It's a collection of readerly and writerly content provided by writers in the community and authors who've been on the show. And you can sign up for the book report at our website, Podcast.com. We send it out every two weeks. It's free. We don't spam you. That takes way too much time. We just keep you updated on what's going on with the podcast, provide a dose of inspiration, provide some free content from time to time, some links and other fun stuff related to the uh, reading and writing world. We're a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, a collection of author-hosted podcasts putting out uh, this kind of content to a worldwide audience. And you can find us pretty much anywhere you like to listen to your podcast. You can also check out our Patreon page. That's patreoncom com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. This is a place where we provide exclusive content uh, for our supporters. For just a few dollars a month, we provide access to Exclusive audio interviews between me and authors who have appeared on the show, where they share their wisdom about uh, writing and the business of writing. It's a great way to get a good education if you're a lifelong learner like I am. But enough with this prologue. Let's meet today's author. And I'm pleased here today to have uh, Michelle Tracy Berger um, as the guest host. This is part of our guest host series. Uh, Michelle was on the podcast uh, with her book. You can check that out. Uh, go to our guest uh, page and just look for Michelle and uh, listen to her episode. But she's uh, she also knows Julia. That's good. They're both uh, in the uh, academic world and both writing books. And uh, she's going to take care of the interview. And I'm going to kind of turn over the wheel, the podcast wheel to her now and let her welcome Julia to the show.
2: Thanks so much, Landis. Julia, Dr. Jordan Zachary, it is an honor to be here with you. Uh, For our our listeners, uh, we go way back as political scientists. I'm so delighted to talk with you today, so let's just dive right in. For our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about the term Black Girl Magic and its origins?
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you, uh, Michelle. Thank you, Landis, for hosting me today, giving me this opportunity to talk about how Black women make themselves real. It is truly an honor. Um, And especially in the midst of a pandemic, I I, I recognize all of the people that we've lost, um, all of the hurt that's been caused as we think through how Black women make their lives real. And so you asked me a little bit about the term Black Girl Magic. And Black Girl Magic, as we argue in the text, in the book, actually has a very long history. So Toni Morrison, Alice Walker, um, Audre Lorde, for example, have been writing over time about the magic that is embedded in in Black womanness. Hmm. And... um, Uh, And relatively recently at the dawn of of social media, uh, I just lost your name, sorry, Thomas um, started talking about black girl magic and there were different iterations of that on social media. And it kind of took off that, you know, this notion of black girl magic, it it evolved from black girls are magic to to now the hashtag black girl, black girl magic. And so what we argue in this book is that we're not necessarily talking about hocus pocus, right? We're not talking sure. about fairy dust. <laughs> we're talking about labor
2: mm.
0: and the labor that black women go through in order to see themselves in a world that sometimes wants to reduce them mm. to body parts, for example, or to, to, to stereotypes. And so black girl magic really is about labor.
2: And and you take this the collection is also looking at it beyond obviously the hashtag so beyond the um, the ways in which it was used in social media to think about the multiple places that um, I think you call it in the in the text radical curation is happening um, both you know in lived experiences as well as online and so. I'd love to know, you know, how did, how did you and your collaborator, your co-editor, Duchess Harris, who is also a professor, goes way back as a political scientist, you know, how did you and her come up with this idea for the, for the volume? Um, and, and, you know, where did you, where did you sort of see the need for this volume existing?
0: Right. So whenever I talk about Black Girl Magic, I always have to preface it and say, I wish I could take credit for the idea of doing this work. But this work actually came out of multiple conversations I've had with my daughter, Mm. who has her own platform, her engagement on social media. And we would constantly go back and forth about this understanding of, of Black Girl Magic. And I freely admit that I was very resistant to the concept of it. And she's not 21. Wait, tell
2: us why. Wait, let's, let's pause there. Tell us why, you know, because we're and we're all about the same age. And I know, Julie, you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. We do engage social media. But it, it, sort of tell us why. Where, where was that resistance coming from?
0: Well, you know, I thought, honestly, here I am telling telling on myself, right? So honestly, I thought it was just this thing where it was indulgent
2: mm-hmm. and it wasn't
0: necessarily capturing mm-hmm. what it meant to be a Black woman and a Black girl.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I, I, I kind of thought that it, it it reduced the experiences mm-hmm. of Black women to a kind of performance, mm-hmm. a performance that we oftentimes saw on on social media. And so I was talking to my daughter, McKean, and she says to me, She goes, Well, aren't you limiting Black women? Mm. I was like, Oh, am I?
2: Power. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now go to your room. <laughs> Dropping all that wisdom on me. Wait a minute, right?
0: Right. Go have a seat. We're not. We're no longer friends, you know. But she really made me pause, mm-hmm. right? In that that one question, and and the way, and it's one thing for me to talk about the question she posed, but it's another to talk about how she poses the question, right? Mm-hmm. And so she's very to the point. Not a lot of fluff. Says what she has to say and moves on. Mm-hmm. So imagine us, and she goes, well, aren't you limiting Black women? And she's very soft-spoken, right? Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. moves on. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but, but but, come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, come back. We're not done. But yeah, but go to your room because I don't want to think that
2: hard. <laughs> right, well, and there was this sort of ephemeral nature, I think, obviously just in, in digital platforms. But this was, mm-hmm. you know, and please correct me if I'm wrong, this also evolved in the context of, larger social protest questions, you know, larger spaces for Black women trying to claim um, space in terms of being seen around their own health and self-care, right? So there's, there were other, these other pieces as well.
0: Yes, yes. And that's eventually where we got to in the conversation, right? That, mm. that the labor that Black women engage in to, to have themselves be seen first and foremost by themselves, and then also in relation to others in society, structures, etc. that labor is multidimensional. And we have to be very careful of flattening out that labor, right? Um, so we have to be careful, for example, of thinking of Black women as saviors of society, for example, mm-hmm. right? Because that also flattens out. The labor that black women engage in to see themselves. And so there is a part of a curation process that, yes, comes out of harm is what we're Mm. arguing in this Mm. text, right? Mm -hmm. It comes from a place of harm, but it also comes from this very beautiful place of being able to imagine oneself outside of those spaces of harm. Mm-hmm. right? And so, yes, we talk about what it looks like in, in in real life of having to curate somebody who was, you know, who was a victim of, for example, um, domestic violence, partner violence. What do, what does that mean when you are bringing that person to life? Mm-hmm. Hey. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And what well, I was going to say, in you, in, in the collection, there's this theme, too, of this idea of uh, black women can become hyper-visible in culture as well as invisible and looking at the ways in which, you know, different, uh, you know, political, social formations push against those pieces. And I I think that's such a important contribution, you know, to the, to the larger literature, right? That those, that those dynamics are there Mm -hmm. that play, that play for, play on uh, black women's lives. Yes.
0: And we have to recognize that, right? That that it Also, this notion of visibility is multidimensional, mm-hmm. right? And so in another text, I actually argue that Black women become shadow bodies. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they're seen but not seen mm-hmm. because it depends on the kind of ray of light that's given to them. And And I think that we pick up a little bit about that, even though it's not named explicitly in this text, of what does it mean when a particular kind of light is cast on you and mm. where is your agency mm-hmm. in responding to that light right and so i also think you know there's there's a lineage for that this type of work around with um thinking through black women and i you know i oftentimes use your work um workable um sister did i get the title right you
2: did and oh. thank you
0: <laughs> <laughs> i had to pause there for a minute i'm like am i right yeah i mean i use it so often right where where you also curate these voices, mm. you know, and and that again is a kind of labor that I think that we're trying to get at is is this kind of making oneself real, and I think mm-hmm. that's at the crux of of this, uh, you know, the hashtag Black Girl Magic is to say that we are real. Mm-hmm. And sometimes complex and sometimes, you know, full of joy and, 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 and this spectrum mm. of what it means to be black, both through a lens of 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 oppression,
2: but also through a lens of what is possible. Mm. And, and so and I just I love that. And so as you were talking to your daughter and being I love this, you know, the two-way dialogue where, where wisdom and knowledge is being exchanged. And then, um, you know, you work with Duchess. And so did y'all think about, did you do a call for proposals? Did you sort of think about your networks and think about, okay, we, we'd love to create this collection. Um, what's the best way to do? It? So I, am asking you a little bit about, you know, what, tell us a little bit about the publishing journey and how you, mm-hmm. how you thought about, working with this and also you you have done other edited collections before so you knew what you're getting into some because you know hurting uh any kind of writer but particularly scholars like hurting cats so (laughs) (laughs) yes and
0: (laughs) so like I said the, the 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 prompt for it came from this conversation with with um with McKean my daughter and I happened to have a conversation with Duchess because I'd already had planned on doing the collection. I had a conversation with Duchess and Duchess was like, oh, can I work on the project with you? I said, certainly Duchess, because part of Black Girl Magic is community. Mm. Part of my Black feminist identity and the work that I do is also about community and trying to break down these kind of notions that academia has to happen in isolation. Right? Right. So I, I try not to just write about things, but I try also as best to live what I'm writing about. Mm. And so we and can just, the- can I
2: just, I have just have to interrupt you for, for in the scholarly world, this is a radical move to try to bring your whole beingness into the academy. So I just want to acknowledge that. and And you have been doing that and modeling that for so many of us.
0: Oh, thank you. I try, you know, Um, and, and it goes against this notion of disembodiment, but that's a whole nother conversation. So, you know, spoke to Duchess. We put out a call for papers and we ended up with so many. Mm. Initially, we were just going to do a special issue of the National Political Science Review, which is part of NCOPs, National Conference of Black Political Scientists. So we thought, oh, we'll just get, you know, maybe... Four articles, we'll publish those. And I don't know if you all saw that, but it's it's a beautiful cover of Black Girl Magic for um, for the journal where there's just a little black girl dressed in her her jeans jacket, you know, this image. And so we thought, huh, you know, we'll be satisfied with a few articles, we'll publish this and then be done. So we put this call out and we got s- such a response. Mm. And such a beautiful response. So we were like, um, "What are we supposed to do with this?" And so that's how we ended up with this edited volume. Uh, in addition to the journal article, right? So it's almost like it's a series of of this grappling with Black girl magic. And so the the journal articles focus primarily on politics, since it's, mm. it's a political science journal. The book actually allows us to expand and cross boundaries and cross, um, you know, these, these fields of study. And so we were able then in the book to really stretch our understanding of, of, of black girl magic, right? Looking at this notion of the spirituality of it, looking at it in the future, looking at it as a response to, to violence. Um, we were able to do that. And, and, um, you know, uh, You asked me about herding cats. Yes, putting together an edited volume can be a challenge. I will not, I will not pretend otherwise. And each time I do one, I say I will never do it again.
2: i am done <laughs> and then you and you forget because then the you know it becomes a little bit further away and you're like oh i could do that that was re-. you remember the best parts of it i think sort of like right. lovely childbirth to some degree it's like forget some of the challenges it's like oh yeah this makes sense right
0: <laughs> or or just a glutton for punishment right because <laughs> Because here I am working on two edited volumes on Black women and COVID.
2: Oh, oh okay. Well, I, 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 want us to talk about that as well. But I think you are going to um, read for us, read a selection. Yes, I hope please. To hear that. Okay. And then we'll we'll pick back up where we were. Okay.
0: So I'm going to read just a, a very short, a few short pieces that I think are central to, to this notion of black girl magic. Hashtag black girl magic, although used widely in the digital world is a term bagging definition and some form of operationalization. We make this claim not in a positivist or even post positive academic sense, nor do we make this claim to necessarily collapse the concept into a singular understanding. Rather, it is our intention to better understand what makes Black femmes, girls, and women magical. When and how do we know that magic is the cause of their success? Furthermore, how do we create a context within which magic might materialize? Collectively, this volume bridges theory and practice by offering critical interventions that speak to contexts that allow Black femmes, girls, and women to thrive and flourish and show us how magic manifests in the everyday actions of Black femmes, girls, and women. Hashtag BlackGirlMagicOffline not only explores questions about the performance of identity as well as the politics of interlocking parts of one's identity, race, class, gender, sexuality, and representation but also offers critical insights into fostering a radical performance of Black girlhood and womanhood that allows us to bridge the academy, the community, and the digital and offline worlds as a means of supporting Black femmes, girls, and women's quest for freedom. This is one of the ways that hashtag Black Girl Magic asserts power, even offline. In speaking of magic and black girlhood and or womanhood, black women such as Walker, Morrison and Thompson are not necessarily speaking of hocus pocus. Instead, they are explaining an ideology, belief or practice that allows black femmes, girls and women to exist within an oppressive structure. What we argue is that hashtag black girl magic is a form of critical literacy used by Black femmes, girls, and women as they work to invent and or imagine themselves in a society that often renders them invisible or hyper-visible and subjects them and their communities to illicit violence.
2: Thank you so much. That was just fabulous. So I wanted to pick up where we uh, paused. Um, thinking about the interdisciplinarity of this work, I'm just curious if you... Would share with us um, the importance of that. Why you think that was important? Because you have scholars who are across, you know, different social science areas, communication, political science, the humanities, and 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 what you're hoping that also will um, support in the academy.
0: So the academy sometimes tells us that it privileges interdisciplinary work and that it, it, it wants us to seek knowledge where knowledge lies. But yet we have structures that oftentimes prevent that or limit that. And so pretty early in my career, I decided wherever possible, I wanted to create space for the telling of these stories. And for myself and others to have an opportunity to grapple with these issues through multiple lenses, right? So there's no one way of really understanding what black women experience. But if we can look at it through, you know, the tools that we collect in our individual disciplines, I think we're better able to create a more nuanced picture of black women's experiences. Mm -hmm. And so I, very early in my career, I I was kind of committed to this idea. and I and I and I want us to be in in community, right? Because if we think about Black feminism, one of the, the the cornerstones of Black feminism is community.
2: Absolutely,
0: right. And so, how do you do that in in your work? And so, I try as best I can to have my work reflect community. And so this. I don't think about it necessarily as being interdisciplinary. I think about it as a gathering of information to help build community so people can see themselves.
2: Mm. Fantastic. And, and as I was looking at the collection, I'm also thinking it might be of interest to K through 12 teachers to potentially other, um, other lay communities. And because the, the work is, really richly defined um and also accessible so it's not just i mean it is a scholarly piece a scholarly book but it seems like there are other entry points in there and i'm i was curious if you had also had that vision for the book as well
0: right and so you know one of the things that we were committed to as mothers as black women as black women in community and then finally as black women scholars was to have this be written in an accessible way and to allow for, of course we can't capture everybody in one text, that's not possible, but to allow for these varied entry points. So that's why we had talk about black girls seeing themselves and, and their cultural literacies, right? And we talk about what it means to be immigrant black girls, for example. And so it really was a conscious decision um, to push the, the authors to keep a hold of their academic training, but let it go, mm-hmm. which, believe it or not, is one of the hardest things to do in an edited volume, especially when you're writing from an academic perspective, is to say, put down to some extent the training and let yourself come through.
2: It is, it's one of the hardest things because also mm-hmm. people have been, as you said earlier, kind of tra- in some ways trained out of their own sometimes narrative voice when it comes to research. And the eye has, is very suspect in many ways. And so the fact that you were able to support that in this collections is pretty powerful. And I think it that's it will resonate across multiple communities because of that. Um, I, I do have to ask... Um, Thinking about the chapter with your daughter, what what was it like? You have a daughter, you have a chapter um, on intergenerational dialogue. Um, What was that like working with your daughter? I mean, and given that she helped you found this text, (laughs) I wonder how that, how that was for you actually sitting down and writing and working with her. Mm
0: -hmm. So, you know, the the process for me and smiling because she might have a different tale to tell, but you know, we sat in a little breakfast nook, I can remember it, and she's kind of sitting across from me and we're talking, and I am smiling because I can remember the laughter that we shared, right? Mm. And and how it permeated so much of what we talked about. And I and I wanted to stress that because I think it got to her point. And we, we talk about this um, in the in this kind of conversation that we had, that you know, black women can simultaneously have a range of experiences. So we can fight for freedom and justice and we can laugh. Right? And sometimes those can happen in the same moment. And and so this conversation that McKean and I had actually I thought encapsulated so much of this notion of black girl magic Mm. right because we did grapple with some really hard um, conversations um questions and and i loved how sometimes she would push back on me and and this isn't always in the in the text but we had these moments where she looked at me she goes do you want to think about that again You know, and then she would just proceed to help me whatever song she was humming <laughs> and she gave me time to think about it.
2: You know? She was patient. <laughs> Makina patient.
0: <laughs> yes, you know, but I, and, and I have to say this, right, because we're talking about this kind of intergenerational kind of exchange. And I tell this story often because it helps, I think, to understand this notion of black girl magic and how we talk about it being intergenerational. I remember when McKean was first born, she was maybe about two weeks old or so, and my grandmother came to visit and she held her and she just kept holding her and looking at her. And then finally she looked up at me and she said to me, this child has something to say and you better not stop her. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I feel that way so much about Black girls,
2: Mm.
0: right? That they have something to say. And oftentimes we stop them Mm. because of their race, because Mm. of their gender. And this is how they speak back, by creating Mm. these moments that appear magical, right? Because sometimes we don't afford them the opportunity to be heard. And so it was really important mm. for me to to include that last you know that conversation with McKean, again, hopefully, to help signal to younger women um te- she was, you know she's in her teens at this point, that you all have an opportunity to shape our literacies,
2: absolutely. Absolutely, and that as researchers, or I think the other piece of that is researchers. We need to support the visibility of frameworks so we can understand and be in partnership with, right? To understand Black girls' lives, right? As as part of this larger fabric.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: So powerful. So um, I, I so many questions, but I I want to just come back to where we started with uh, thinking about COVID nineteen and the pandemic. And I know you're working on some other projects, but I'm, I'm curious how you think um, Black Girl Magic as a, as a space has uh, now been used and shifted in terms of thinking about the pandemic, if there, if there are reflections you have on that in terms of how people are engaging.
0: So Black women are still trying to curate their lives in the midst of a pandemic in the midst mm. of you know i call them power pandemics right mm. so the 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 COVID 19 but also this kind of racial gender violence that we are perpetually exposed to so in my mind i refer to them as power pandemics and so when you're confronted with power pandemics how do you begin to make your life real how do you live
2: mm-hmm.
0: right to come back to alice Walker. When she talked about magic, you know, she's talking about how Black women take these bits and fragments and weave them together so that they can manifest something that they might never even see. And I and I and and I think that that's what a lot of Black women are doing, and not to suggest that Black women are unique, but you know our focus is on Black women. But that's what Black women are doing in the midst of these power pandemics. They're taking bits and pieces, whether or not it's going into their gardens. You know, like I think of my mother and, and she's in Barbados and how she's been gardening. I think of McKean and she's mm-hmm. gardening. You mm-hmm. know, and 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 how they're just weaving together and the thread there's a a thread that's running through that speaks again to pain to violence etc but there's this other dominant sometimes i think about it in terms of colors for some reason when i'm thinking about how black women make magic right and i see this beautiful like weaving of teal and goals and things like that into this color that has no name mm. because society hasn't fully seen it yet, but it exists. Mm. Right? And that's how I think we're working through black girl magic through these power pandemics right now. Mm. We're weaving something that society has no name for.
1: I'm going to jump back in. I've just been fascinated by this conversation. Um, Michelle, thanks for leading. I'm going to give you one final question, Michelle, before we finish up. Let me let, let me tell the listeners here that we're going to jump over to our Patreon channel in just a minute. That's uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast, all one word. And both uh, Michelle and I are going to have a conversation uh, with Julia uh, about this idea of uh, writing and editing essays we might change the title to uh herding scholars or something uh maybe herding cats or <laughs> cat scholars whatever but uh before we get to that I, I do have one one question um and one observation one question because uh i really enjoyed julia reading your uh, essay that you and your daughter put together and it made me think a lot about uh, my relationship with my own daughter who's 34 a little bit older than yours but uh she is uh, gay. She's uh, married to a woman. So I had to have a lot of conversations with her, and I still have a lot of conversations with her. Uh, and she's always teaching me new things. And as I'm reading this text, I'm thinking to myself, uh, I wonder how much uh, Julia learned. What was sort of the biggest takeaway you learned from your daughter in this process?
0: To sit and listen,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and and to really think critically about knowledge production. So how do Mm. we, you know, and it's something that I I oftentimes start my class with. Like, how do you know what you know? Um, And to really think critically about how we are conditioned to interact with something that feels new to us Mm. and how that history then influences how we might engage and 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 what it gives us, but also what it causes us to lose. And, and and it's this magical thing that allows us to communicate so much. And so that's the other thing, you know, from a parenting perspective, but also from, from a researcher perspective, is how do you listen to nuance? How do you read nuance in a text? Right? Um, And also, how do you convey nuance in a text? So now I find myself a lot more careful about the words that I'm trying to put on paper, right? Thinking about how individual words have their own literacy. And it's important to think about that. You know, so today I sat down and I wanted to write an ode to Bangles, which is really, you know, an ode to my... Uh, My falling out of love of teaching. And bangles for me, they're significant for teaching because one of the first teachers I fell in love with wore bangles. Mm -hmm. Right? And so what does it mean when you no longer hear the tinkling of the bangle? Right? And I found myself really stuck on one word, <laughs> you know, like what is the word the sound that I'm trying to elicit here? Because it, it, I want it to evoke a feeling. And that is something that McKean is constantly teaching me.
1: That's great. Ooh. Michelle, you get the last, uh, last question here.
2: Well, coming back to our political science roots, I, I thought it would be helpful to hear how you think um, Vice President Harris will support this idea or influence this idea of Black Girl Magic, given her roots and who she is? Curious if you've been thinking about her.
0: So I have been for lots of different reasons, um, from the immigrant background, from you know my curiosity as a political scientist. And the whole nine. And I think that they again, that that her engagement or our engagement with her through Black Girl Magic, because I can't speak for her engagement with Black Girl Magic. So it will be more of our engagement vis-a-vis Black Girl Magic with her. Uh, what does that look like? Uh, what does it look like beyond a kind of symbolic representation? Oh, my gosh, there's somebody that looks like me. And I think it's beautiful to watch these little girls celebrating, you know, with a T-shirt. My BP looks like me and stuff like that. I recognize the value of that, um, especially having worked through Black Girl Magic, right, and looking. and I And I always thought about it simply as a symbolic thing and not a substantive thing. And I think that where some of us are going to work through the magic is how we make our lives real, because now we are able to see her and see ourselves represented in these different ways, right? Uh, But also her in conversation with, with other women, such as Stacey Abrams, allows us for this kind of expansion of how we understand the labor that we do. It's not new labor, right? But a continuity of labor. And again, I come back to to, to my daughter, you know, um, I mean, thinking about political science. And she said something to me after the recent election. She goes, if y'all think you're scared now of us coming out to vote, wait till we can actually run for office. Mm. And I was like, uh, what are you going to do? She goes, I might not be the one running. But I'm learning how to support women that are running,
2: mm.
0: and I know how to use social media. Mm. Like, all right, now <laughs> bring that magic. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, she she puts us all to shame. I think you said she's got a Twitter account that's like a hundred thousand followers or something. That's great. I, yeah.
2: I think she will be on your show at some point because she will probably write a book or or exactly have, yeah. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I, I want to uh, Michelle. Thank you for uh, leading this conversation today. It was my deep, deep pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And Julia, thank you for, uh, for participating. Listeners, don't forget to jump over to Patreon and listen to the rest of the conversation. But Julia, thanks so much for being on Charlotte Readers Podcast.
2: Thank
0: you so much. It's truly been an honor. I appreciate you both.
1: Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify,